Welcome to episode 7 of the Coach's Office. We've got Super Bowl reaction, we've got NBA talk, NCAA transfer talk, and much, much more. And it starts now. The following is a special presentation of the Coach's Office. I never pun on Madden. Go Knowles. I don't even know what Roll Tide means. I mean, let them in. What is there to lose? Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Glad to have you in here. Why was everyone so concerned with the outfield play for the movie to be called Angels in the Outfield? Where'd you get your shirt? Foot locker? Uh-oh. Murphy's call. And now your host, Kyle Donahue and Matt Ripley. How's it? Welcome into the coach's office. This is Kyle Donahue, ready for another exciting episode inside the office today. We're talking a Super Bowl reaction. Matt, how was your... Super Bowl. I mean, the NFL purists, they're going to say that was what they wanted, uh, a low-scoring defensive battle. Uh, as an offensive guy, I wanted a little bit more. Um, I mean, I'm all for a defensive battle. I, don't get me wrong. But I'd like to have seen a little more on the offensive side. I think Belichick had a great plan. I think Wade Phillips had a great plan. But I definitely think the youth, everybody talked about McVeigh, Goff, the young guns, the young guys coming in to take over, they looked young Sunday. Oh, yeah. Experience definitely showed on both sides. Yeah. Um, the, the Patriots definitely came in with experience. Um, they came in knowing what they were going to do, executed their plan. And on the, same, on the flip side of the coin, defensively for the Rams, they played excellent. Yeah. Uh, only held Brady and the boys to 13 points. Um, if you listen to our last episode, you heard that uh, they haven't scored but three points in the first quarter of, crazy of every stat. Super Bowl, and that continued this year. Nine uh, Super Bowls. Nine Super Bowls, only three points. Uh, so I definitely thought the Rams um, came to play on defense. Julian Edelman, give him a bust in the Hall of Fame. I mean, my goodness. Well, there's a question for you. Let's, we, we don't even have that on the show notes, folks. Does he deserve – There's there is already talk with Julian Edelman. Should he be in the Hall of Fame? What, is, what do you think? I think if you take Julian Edelman out of the Super Bowl, it's a different ballgame. I think that if you have a player that makes that big of a difference in the biggest game. Now, is one game enough? No, absolutely not. But I think Edelman's been around long enough that I think that he I think he can make a case. I definitely think he could get in there. He could squeak in there. He's like number one. He's in the 150s, I think, in most catches all time. Yeah, but I'm saying no. I think he could – no, he's he he's a great role player. Don't get me wrong. He is a great role player. Um, he won the Super Bowl being a role player. He talked this week about you know keeping his head down and, and, and going to practice, having a great week of practice. I think he's a great player. Is he um, of the caliber of Hall of Fame? I do not think so. Not yet. I think that Tom Brady makes makes him who he is, definitely. Uh, Tom Brady makes everybody around him better. I don't. It'll time will tell. I think that he him playing special teams as well that helps uh, his case. I think as long as he's with Tom Brady, he definitely has a chance. Give him a couple more years to boost those stats. If Tom Brady hangs it up or if he goes elsewhere, I think he's. I think he vanishes. Where's Danny Amendola? Miami. I mean, he played for the Patriots. He's he's down in Miami. He played for the Patriots with Tom Brady. Everybody talked about him. Now he's gone and. Now he's vanished. Getting ready for his bust. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Getting fitted. Getting getting ready to go. So I definitely think that um, Belichick, Brady, they proved that they're among the best duo in the NFL of all time. 
Oh, definitely. Um, no argument there. Six six Super Bowls uh, together. Um, Brady is now being called the goat. It's funny how six rings makes you the goat. So it's a lot of jewelry. Does that mean Jordan? I'm just saying. I'm just throwing that out there. Six. We'll talk about that another time. People argue that Bill Russell has multiple. Kareem's got multiple, but that's that's for a different show. So you go into the argument that is around Twitter right now and the social media sphere. Is it Belichick or is it Brady? For me personally, I would think, um, and not saying this because I'm in the coaching realm, <laughs> I would think it would be Belichick. It'd be different. I think Belichick and Brady, number one, are great together. Together. Um, Brady was number pick number four million, I think, <laughs> um, from the U of M. Yeah, um, that's Michigan. I think Belichick has created a system in which um, this group can thrive. Brady can thrive. Um, definitely, Belichick. If it was a if it was a one year thing, let's say they win the Super Bowl one year, you can definitely say, all right, Tom Brady led them to the Super Bowl. I think after six wins. Um, being there, what is this, nine times together? Yeah. Um, being there nine times together, I think the system has um, withheld enough to to point to Belichick. Yeah, I have to, it's, uh, it's tough to get there once. Um, right. To be there nine times, that's got to be something that There's is no going fluke. on around it. And I think that Belichick, they talked about in the Super Bowl, they changed their offensive system after the Patriots' bye week and went to a more traditional, old school, brought a fullback in, dunk and dive. I mean, I noticed in the Super Bowl, a lot of what Tom Brady was throwing was the quick comeback routes. You didn't see him trying to chuck the long ball down the sideline. Patient, a very patient offense. And I, I definitely think that Belichick um, is the reason for their success. I think if you take Tom Brady out, uh, I definitely think it depends on the quarterback that you put into the system. Uh, I can't, I'm not saying that you plug in anybody, Blake Bortles, anybody like that, which he's a good quarterback, don't get me wrong, but I don't know that a different quarterback makes the system go. It depends on who it is. Of course, you plug in Peyton Manning. Now, I, I definitely wholeheartedly think that they go to sure. all those. <laughs> they definitely go to all the Super Bowls together. I don't think that Tom Brady goes to nine Super Bowls with another coach. So I definitely think it's it's a Michael Jordan, Phil Jackson type unionship. I think it's a it's a Belichick Brady unionship together. Together they make each other great. Together. Let's get together. Yeah, yeah. Together. Definitely if Brady I mean, just look at just look at all the, the stud quarterbacks that have been around in the league. You're talking to Aaron Rodgers. How many times has Aaron Rodgers won? Yeah. Um, and Mike McCarthy's a good offensive mind. Yeah. I think he just got stale there yeah, for a little while. I agree. I think he'll land back on his feet somewhere, just like uh, some of the other coaches. We got a lot of new coaches in the NFL. You got Brian Flores headed to Miami. You got Adam Gase in the Jets. And if you've not seen that interview, uh, Jeff, I mean that is check it out. What was he doing uh, in his in his <laughs> intro? That is hilarious. The Bengals just named Zach Taylor as their head guy. Freddie Kitchens. Uh, taking over for the Browns after all his great work with the offense up there. Vic Fangio getting the opportunity, former Bears defensive coordinator. I think there's a a good friend of the show. Ben Murphy is a Bears fan, uh, so he'll appreciate that. Uh, He's headed to the Broncos. Um, you got Bruce Arians. He's headed down to Tampa Bay. I don't know of any Tampa Bay Buck fans around. Go Bucks, baby. So that that's a big hire. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury, I thought, was a, the most interesting hire out of the whole thing. You get fired from a college program at Texas Tech, and you get the head coaching job in Arizona. 
not long after you got the offensive coordinator position at USC, and it's like, now nah, I'm going to go be the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. Interesting. And then Matt LaFleur uh, headed to Green Bay uh, to team up with Aaron Rodgers up there. Do you have a favorite in this cast of, of new faces that who do you see having maybe immediate success or maybe even long term? Oh, definitely Bruce Arians. I mean, of course, going to the Super Bowl. No, I hopeful. I am, yeah, definitely. Um, he's definitely one I'm going to keep my eye on because it's obviously my team. I'm looking at a couple guys. Uh, Flores in Miami. How many uh, Belichick disciples will say have flourished on their own? Right, right. It's kind of like the Nick Saban. There's a lot of a lot of uh, parallels disciples, between. Yeah. Alabama and, and and New England, but how many of the the coaches that have been in New England have gone on to um, head coaching status? Success, yeah. How many of them have actually succeeded and done well? Um, I don't know. That's a good question for the next episode. Oh, we'll look that up. Maybe we'll ask the fans. We'll I ask think, the fans. I think Freddie Kitchens in Cleveland he did a good job with uh, Baker Mayfield. Uh, I think that's a young and upcoming offense. Nick Chubb. Um, I think uh, Jarvis Landry having him on the offensive side. Uh, I, I definitely think that there's a lot of upswing uh, with that team. I think that the youth of that team could could see uh, some big things happening up there. I think the, the defensive side of the ball is going to be the big question mark uh, uh, for them if they can get some stops up there. So I definitely uh, – all eyes there. And I, and I will be interested to see how Kingsbury does with the cards. I mean, you talk about an Arizona team that was not that good this year. And uh, you're hiring a new coach that just got fired from Texas Tech who had a losing record. You're now giving him the reins of a professional NFL football team. And perennially, I mean, how often have you seen a college coach have long-term success? I mean, just because even the most successful guy, Steve Spurrier, Washington Redskins, didn't pan out. Nick Saban, Miami, didn't pan out. Steve, uh, Pete Carroll, Steve Carroll. Pete Carroll, wrong guy. He's a good actor. Yeah, Pete Carroll has probably had the most success. I mean, even Harbaugh with the San Francisco 49ers, he went back. Jimmy Johnson. To the college. Uh, Jimmy Johnson, okay, I could go with that with the Cowboys. Uh, So rarely do you see guys who have been good winners, national champions in the college ranks go and have success in the NFL. So where in this carousel of hires do you think that this guy did not have much success in the Big 12 at Texas Tech is going to lead us to uh, to wins in the NFL. I don't see it. I mean, I think it's off of the McVay effect. We we've, we've talked about it before. Yeah. Um he's a strong offensive the 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 league is offensive right now. Right. Um in in theory, right? Everybody's looking for the best next great offense, next great whatever. I do think defense is it still rules. Like right. look at the Super Bowl. Uh it's still ruling. Uh, even though you're creating all this different different sort of stuff um, with the quarterbacks and everything schemes, yeah. uh, but I think yeah, Kingsbury will be one to watch. Freddie Kitchens, I'm be, I'll be interested to watch because um, not because they're the Browns or whatever. They've been through 58 million coaches. <laughs> um, there's ESPN did a, did a story on the Browns how the Haslam's have had their hand in, involved in in Ball you know fans drafts too well yeah in drafts and in every every little bit. So I'll be interested to see that, but also how does a coordinator on that team bump up to head coach? Our uh, the Bucks just went through it with uh, Cutter. Yeah, um, he was an Back assistant, the and they they let go of um, Lovey Smith. Lovey Smith. Whatever. We'll get there anyway. Lovey Smith. Uh, they just they let him go uh, to keep Cutter, so they didn't lose Jameis. 
um, kind of sort of the same thing. Um, so Kitchens, somebody that somebody Baker that's yeah. good with the quarterback elevated to head coach. I'll be interested to see not only how he runs the offense, but how he runs his program. Well, they said Baker Mayfield abdicated for him a lot. And, you know, how much of that is Greg Williams, you know, defense coordinator turned into the interim head coach? I was really surprised. I really Shocked. thought yeah. I thought it would be his. I thought he had. And uh, he ran that team well. He won five of seven, I think. Yeah, I mean, overall, am I a big fan of him? Not overly because of the whole scandal that he had back when he was uh, – earlier in his earlier days so uh, with the bounty gate but I definitely think that uh, he he deserved a shot and his defensive mind helped a lot and so it'll definitely be an interesting time in the NFL switching gears as we look at the NBA right now the big talk is the LA Lakers trying to land Anthony Davis and they just keep throwing something at him hoping that they get they kept being left on red by the Pelicans I think and so they keep freaking out with, I'm just going to keep texting until they respond. What, when is enough enough as far as the super teams go? Because I feel like more and more everybody's loading up and just kind of leaving these smaller market teams behind. What, what kind of NBA are we watching right now? Well, being a fan of a smaller market team in the Magic, I don't, I'm not a fan. You know, if, if all these super teams go to bigger markets – and all these super teams are the ones competing. Obviously, you're going to have your, your top-tier teams, right. right? And then you're going to have your second-tier teams and your bottom-tier teams. But if all of the top echelon is in one city, or in, or in big cities, I mean, what's that leave everybody else? Right. You know, uh, Obviously, there's more destinations like Dallas, um, Milwaukee right now. Um, the smaller cities are getting that middle echelon right but what's that leave for everybody else you know what i mean what's what's to say the magic have nobody but uh aaron gordon yeah the sacramento kings are never going to be in free agency talks to land kevin durant i mean you're not going to hear the smaller market teams uh be up for a chance to have the phoenix suns i mean there was a time when when the league was a little more balanced and i get it i mean i i see it you know, everybody sees it all the time as far as the flash of L.A., you know, the lights of New York City, things like that. I, I understand. Uh, but gone are the days of this team drafted me, and I want to make this team a winner. So many people want victory and wins now. And it's like with Anthony Davis, he doesn't think that the Pelicans, it's not going to happen there. And they've not really made the moves that he wants to, to make it happen and so he wants to go somewhere where it could happen quicker, i.e. Kevin Durant. He left Oklahoma City, and I thought Oklahoma City could have won it. I really think they could have been competitive, but he left. And so here we are with more super teams. Yeah, back when, back when he was with the Thunder, they had him, Russell Westbrook, um, James, Harden. James Harden, Serge Ibaka. They had a big four. Um, what is a big four now? Uh, Serge Ibaka's kind of dropped off. But they had a big three yeah. um, that, that is still playing at a high caliber. I mean, Russell Westbrook was the MVP two years ago. James Harden was the MVP last year. Um, so they had something going. But the flip side of the coin is the Warriors. And if you're a fan of the Warriors, you've been watching the Warriors, they've built what they've built, minus Kevin Durant, minus you know people they've added in later. They built the core through the draft. Clay Thompson was drafted. Right. Um, uh, Steph Curry was drafted. They've built what they have through the draft. And really, I think that's the last team, last good team that's built through the draft. Uh, I didn't think about that. That's true. I mean, they've added DeMarcus Cousins late. Yeah. Like I said, Andre Iguodala, they added him late. But, 
you, two of your top core players, they were drafted. Yeah. And I mean, and Draymond Green was drafted. Yeah. And so you think about now, so many of these young guys coming out early after their freshman year, you know, Steph Curry, he played all four years at Davidson. And so, I mean, these guys need to stay. And you look at who's playing now. I mean, as a Vols fan, I think about the Admiral, Admiral Schofield. He's played, he came back for his fourth year. Grant Williams is a junior. They're saying he's going to leave early. I mean, do you think some of these guys, it's harder to build through the draft if they're too immature, say? Uh, it's definitely something to look at, and this is a conversation we could probably have another show, but is the one-and-done hurting college? You know, Before the one-and-done, you had Kobe leave, right? Your team didn't have to revolve around Kobe. Now, like if you look at Duke, every year Duke has to um, reestablish themselves Reload. through practice. Uh, they have to refigure out who and what they are. Um, and, and a lot of people talk about, you know, Duke lost. Uh, Duke lost to Gonzaga. They're going to lose. They're freshmen, yeah. right? They're still learning how to play together, and I think they're doing that pretty well. Um, but by the time the season's over, I think they're going to be playing well. Um, but they, they're still freshmen. And, and when you get to the NBA, you're still a year removed from high school basketball. Right. Um, there's some that can do that, and there's some that can't mentally. Um, and I think – Definitely, the year of college helps helps that, but I think you know another two, another two years on top of that would would definitely benefit everybody. Well, you think about you mentioned it hurts college. Uh, maybe it hurts the NBA just as much, if not more. I mean, they've created the NBA D League, and so now it's like, well, I'm going to go ahead and declare, get my draft money, or I'm going to sign this contract, but I'm going to go to the D League, but I'm making money. Yeah, and you know, and then it it goes into a completely other show of well, you know when does paying athletes start to pay off, and as far as keeping them in college, I don't know how that, I don't know how there's not a right way to do that. Yeah. I think. But you think about maturity. You know, are these young kids able to handle the paychecks that they're going to be getting? One year removed. I couldn't be 19 years old and be handed a couple million dollars. I couldn't be 19 years old and be handed a hundred thousand dollars. No. And so, I mean, it's like, what do you do with that? And how do you carry yourself as a professional? I mean, like you said, some of these guys, they're the exception. LeBron, considering he came out of high school, I thought he's carried himself well. He's not been in trouble. He's, I mean, as far as the media goes, he's not had, you know, any kind of disputes. He's not been, you know, whatever. I think, love him or hate him, I think he's been a good role model as far as uh, work ethic and, and for the NBA. And so, I mean, like I said, you know, we're in this one-and-done college era now, and I, I think it hurts the kids developmentally. I mean, such a huge difference between Admiral Schofield, again, being a Vols fan, seeing him as a senior compared to what he was as a junior. I think he's a he's a nobody uh, after last year. I think he goes and rides the bench somewhere in the NBA if he even gets that offer. Now he's out there. He's on a number one in the nation team. He's he's a contributor. He's a leader. An NBA team's going to want that. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, coach Carlisle, I played at Walter State for Coach Carlisle, legendary Hall of Fame coach uh, at Walter State. Uh, he actually got inducted the year we went to the national tournament. So that was pretty cool to see him inducted. Cool. Um, but he would always say when we got our Pell checks um, that uh, those shoes that you buy, they make a great soup come November. <laughs> yeah. And that was definitely true. I spent all my money. My dad told me not to, and I did. Sorry, Dad. Uh, <laughs> I spent all my money and then, you know, starved to death. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I definitely couldn't Trying to survive manage. for Thanksgiving. Yeah. But on the flip side, I mean, there's, there's kids that legitimately um, have the opportunity to play in the NBA. 
and it's tough to pass up millions and millions of dollars to take care of your family, right. take care of your mom, your dad, and a lot of them come from, you know, poor Nothing. circumstances. Yeah. So yeah. I, I can't say that that's a bad choice. You know, right. I can't sit here and say that I wouldn't do the same thing, but it's just, you know, it, it I don't want it to hurt them and their, their growth right. and, and the NBA, you know, you don't, you don't want a ton of first year players playing in the NBA. And it kind of piggybacks off of what we talked about in one of our earlier episodes. These guys, when we were talking bowl mania, not playing in the bowl games, you know, declaring after their junior year, you know, they're making a decision, a business decision for their family because who says that you don't come out the next year and blow your knee out and you're never the same again? Yeah. I mean, right now there's somebody saying, I will pay you this right now. You're healthy and you'll get this right now. And you take a chance. I mean, you do. You take a chance on doing it one more year. It's, I mean, it's throwing a dart at the board and hoping it sticks and saying, yeah, I'm going to come back and you're going to be, actually be better. Yeah. Your team, you know, is your team going to be good enough to give you the national recognition? You know, Admiral Schofield, again, I keep using that reference, he comes back to Tennessee, the Vols have a losing record, he just disappears. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's a tough, it's a tough battle. And so now – We'll piggyback that into the NCAA with the draft, with the draft, with the transfer portal. It almost sounds like free agency now. Yeah. So if you don't know what the transfer portal is, now um, once you were locked in with the school previously, once you were locked in with the school, nobody could talk to you. Other schools couldn't talk to you. You were considered property, and we'll get to that a different time. <laughs> but property of that school. So with the transfer portal, you put your name. You tell your school, "I want to be put in the transfer portal." Uh, they have two days to put your name in, and your name and phone number and contact info and everything that you want goes out to everybody, all coaches in the nation. Uh, and they have a way to – I assume they have a way to figure out how to get into the transfer, yeah. like the eBay password. <laughs> um, and then yeah, they can contact you, and you can choose to leave or not leave. Just because you're in the transfer portal doesn't mean you can leave. Uh, or it doesn't mean you are leaving. You just opened up uh, negotiations. Yeah, you just opened up and said, I'm free, I'm willing to leave. But I would conjecture you're not going to put your name in if you're not willing to go. That's true. But Florida State's got three guys, I think, that, that put their name out there and are coming back. So that's Well, weird. maybe not everybody's interested. Yeah, and yeah, so. definitely. It's, it's a way to gauge, um, you know, what's out there. And if anybody's interested, uh, if you've got it as bad as you really think, <laughs> Um, Maybe it could be worse. Coach isn't playing me. Well, it's probably because you suck, John. Well, I think the biggest transfer is Jalen Hurts to Oklahoma. Everybody, it was a great story, SEC championship game. He comes in, he leads them to victory, you know, and everybody's giving him props. He stuck it out. He lost the starting job. He stuck it out. And and everybody's, you know, applauding it. I was. I mean, I was cheering for the guy. I don't like Alabama. He's in Oklahoma now. Yeah. So – where does that is that a business decision for him? I mean, is that what? Where does it come into as far as that goes? I mean, look at the last two quarterbacks for Oklahoma. Yeah, both Heisman winners. Heisman winners. Both in the NFL. Well, will be or the MLB. Who knows what Kyler Murray's going to do? I but think he's going in. Let's just assume he's going NFL. Jalen Hurts has just won the lottery. Yeah. Um, with with um, Lincoln Riley, he's he's set himself up perfect. Um, some other other. Places I think one uh, Ryan Day at o- Ohio State just got the number one quarterback from last class to transfer in. Uh, he lost his he lost Tate Martell, but I mean, would you rather have number one? Okay. So then Tate Martell 
moves to Miami. I think Miami really was a big winner. Uh, they got a they got like four or five yeah. uh, transfers in. That worked out. They well salvaged them. what they had, but uh, I think the transfer portal uh, it's definitely interesting. I think this is the first year of it. Um, like you said, it's like free agency. It's it's the wild west. Everybody's trying to see who's in the transfer portal and then try and lure them over to your school. Uh, Florida State just got an alignment from NIU, so we'll see how it goes. I think it's crazy on on the on the athlete side of it. Thinking about, like you said, Coach Day, Ohio State takes over. Tate Martell, he's already there. He he wants to stay and take his chances on being the guy. And then you have Justin Fields transfer in kind of as an athlete. Now, granted, you've had a coaching change, so you can't always say, I feel a, a little betrayed. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's like, point. you know, I'm here, and I was recruited here, so I was at least at one time considered – able to play here somebody you wanted yeah and so now somebody steps up and says but i'll play there and you you push me aside i mean i I, that's disappointing now granted on the coaching side of it how do you not take somebody that makes your program better but justin Fields is not proven neither is tate martell so i mean jalen hurts is proven yeah he's a proven commodity yeah and so i think with justin fields with them sliding somebody out of the way. But then again, like we said, Tate Martell, he's not really proven. So who knows? And it'll be curious to see Ohio State and Miami, see who pans out, maybe who has a better season. Both guys playing for a new head coach. So it'll definitely be interesting to see. And, I, and I'd like to see what Hurts does with Lincoln Riley. I yeah, mean, I think it'll be fun to watch. To, to, to your point, Florida State actually, um, just recently they dismissed – Francois and we had James Blackman as the um, incumbent who might who knows what's going on with quarterback of Florida State. But as they were trying to get Justin Fields there, right, uh, the story came out that Blackman was trying to get into the portal. Uh, Coach Taggart actually talked to him, and I guess they smoothed it over. But we could have lost both quarterbacks and not got Justin Fields. So there's definitely I would I would feel betrayed if I was a if I was the guy or somebody that's the incumbent given yeah. you all I had and then all of a sudden you decide to go chase these uh start shopping around these white whales in the transfer portal. <laughs> yeah, that that that's tough. And I mean again, you, from a player's perspective, you feel a little betrayed. I've been recruited, obviously you believed in me. From a coaching perspective, it's like this guy is an athlete. He's got the athletic abilities that might be better than this guy. And you know, with the day and age of I want it now, you know, with a guy like Tate Martell, they don't want to stick it out. They don't want to get in a quarterback battle. They don't want to wait. They want their opportunity, and they want it now. And, again, business decision, understandable. You know, Jalen Hurts, he's at a position now where he's got to have the opportunity to play to help his draft stock. And, to me, he's not an NFL quarterback. No way. So, in the in – the, Flip side of that, you know, you would think with Jalen Hurts, you know, is he playing quarterback at Oklahoma because he wants to be taken seriously as a quarterback in the NFL? Is he still playing quarterback because he knows he's not going to play it again? Does he do a a Jalen Hurd and change positions? I mean, love him or hate him, Jalen Hurd made a pretty good choice to me in, you know, wanting to improve his ability. I think he would have been an NFL running back, no doubt. When do you start thinking about changing positions? Even I don't. I don't think he went there to to be 
a different position. I don't think he went there for it to be his last hurrah. Um, I think he went there, you know, to learn, number one, from Lincoln Riley, number two, to show that he could be the man in, in a big-time program again yeah. um, after getting beaten out. It is. It does bear note uh, to to note or to say that even though these guys are transferring, even though they're in the transfer portal and they move, um, Jalen Hurts is has graduated from Alabama, so he can play immediately at Oklahoma. At Oklahoma, um, if you do not graduate, you cannot play the next year. You have to sit out a year, right? Or unless you get a hardship, I think Justin Fields is trying to get a hardship yeah. uh, from where he was. Uh, there was some racial stuff going on at, at Georgia. So you still have to sit out a year. That's where uh, Tate Martell is, I think, recruiting promise breaks or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Or a new coach. I think he's yeah. trying to do mm-hmm. new coach. Um, so there's these hardships that you can you can try and, and, and petition so that you can play. Um, but it's not a guarantee. Like, uh, what if – at Florida State, we got we got a kid from uh, Louisville. Their quarterback transferred into Florida State. What if we get a better kid next year? You know, there's no there's no promise. Yeah, uh, we we've signed Sims for next year. What if he's better? There's no promise that you're going to play unless there is a secret promise. <laughs> um, but there's no promise. I mean, it's it's and it, can you can you transfer multiple years? I've not seen it. That'd be wild. I think I think you can transfer, but there's got to be it. A hardship in there somewhere, and you have to sit out in yeah. there somewhere. Yeah. So that that'll be. That's curious. What's so, fun? Can that. you sit out as an undergrad and then as a as a grad transfer move again? That's possible. That'd be crazy. That would be crazy. So that'll be something to check out. We've got Bobby Raider coming up. Don't go anywhere. Matt and I would love to hear from you inside the coach's office. Join us on Facebook at the coach's office or on Twitter at at coaching underscore office. Tell us some topics or things that you'd like for us to discuss on upcoming episodes. Also, if you're on Google or iTunes, go ahead and hit the five stars. Now, it's time to head back inside the coach's office. We'll have to. We'll go. We'll put it on Facebook Live or something. You have to. You have to check this out because we got wires everywhere in a classroom. I got math calculators sitting here in the way. I mean, it's fantastic. Well, that sounds like really a radio station. So. Yeah, there you go. All right. We're back here at the coach's office, and we'd like to welcome the fellow Chucky Doak, the Chucky Doak High School alum, Bobby Raider, into the coach's office. Oh, Bobby, yeah. thanks for being here. Great to be with you guys. Uh, we appreciate the time and, and glad to be with you here to talk a little about the Chucky Doak and whatever's on your mind. Today. And a little, little bit of everything. Now, talk about your time up here on the hill and after that, the Chucky Doak Black Knights. Well, it worked out pretty well for me because – my first four years in school, I was at Chucky, and then we moved, and so I went to Dope for four years, except for one day when the school board decided that I was out of zone and needed to go to Newmansville, so I spent wow. one day at Newmansville, and other than that, I was a Chucky and a Dope guy, so when I got to Chucky Dope, I was, I knew everybody, right. so that was kind of cool, and I wasn't, I know this will come as a shock to you, I wasn't a great student, I was a good student, but I spent more time predicting ball games than I did working on Algebra 1 and or 2. Thank you. Thank you, Truman Crumb, for getting me through Algebra. (laughs) So I could get into the University of Tennessee, where I spent a full six months, guys. Oh, wow. Before I decided maybe I didn't need that. I could make it on my own, which I couldn't. But (laughs) that was my decision. And I I started working in radio in my sophomore year, which was 74, which actually was the first year we had football there at Chucky Doak, a junior varsity team. And you've probably seen those pictures. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
that was quite an experience. <laughs> but I started dabbling in, in the radio business uh, my, I guess, the summer between my freshman and sophomore year. So that's how that kind of started. But my time at Chucky Dope was good. Uh, like I said, I wasn't a great student. I did uh, we'll talk about this. No way cares. I got, <laughs> most likely to su- I got most likely to succeed. Well, there so you I'm go. Still try- I'm still trying to do that years later. <laughs> it's still likely to happen. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I'm still trying to see if we can work that out. I do. Re- you know, it's funny how you do something like that, and then years later you say, "Wow, I need to. I need to succeed. I need to <laughs> Step it up." And nice. nobody remembers that but me way back then. But, yeah. Oh well. You got to fulfill that destiny of the yearbook there. Is that what it is? Yeah. 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 And those leisure suits that I was wearing, you gotta, you gotta check that out. Yeah, that's that's we, the we've style. We got a couple. We got a couple already hanging up in the in the coach's office. <laughs> got a couple ready. Go. So uh, you talked a little bit about your media journey. What started your your love of, of of the media and and sports broadcasting and all that? I just remember liking to listen to radio and wondered how it worked, and so I sent a letter to Kenny Deerstone. And the Deerstone thing will come back around here in just a moment. Sent a letter to Kenny. He was at WSMG, which was down at the time on Kingsley Avenue, and expressed an interest. For some reason, he decided, well, come on in. We'll talk about it. And I told him I just had an interest in it. Would like to see how I could help out. So one thing led to another, and I started working some on the weekends, pretty much pushing buttons. That's what you do at 14 years old when you're in radio, and your voice hasn't changed (laughs) And so I did that, and uh, what's funny about it, and we'll get to this later, is you know what my first job was? Uh was pushing buttons on the Vol Network. Really? So that was one of the jobs that I did, and of course uh, did a lot of... One of the reasons I'm so messed up today is that I also ran the uh, Sunday morning shows. And we had a different religion on like every 15 or 30 minutes. <laughs> so I, I, I really say that's why I'm so messed up today. I didn't know what to believe, but I, I've overcome you, that a little You got bit. a mix of everything there. Oh, yeah, I got it all. So <laughs> I knew if I, if I didn't feel right about myself the first 15 minutes, the next guy would take care of me the Hang next on. 30 minutes. Hang <laughs> on, it'll circle around. Yeah, so that's, that's, how that, that's how the radio career began. And one thing led to another, and I remember the boss asking one day who's that kid on the air get him off <laughs> that that was me and actually that was just last week actually to be honest with you. no there you get go the guy out of here <laughs> yeah who let him in still say it. well what's funny is, is talking about you know getting an early start and kind of being the guy that pushes buttons and you may not remember this but i actually worked at wgrv for a little while and okay. and you were doing the uh, play-by-play for uh, GHS, and I would actually run the board for you when you were doing uh, the play-by-play there. So I was fresh out of high school, the button pusher. Yeah, so I was I was once the button pusher for the great Bobby Raider. I I did not remember that. You did, <laughs> it, you did it, an outstanding job. Let me just say. Well, that. thank I'm you. Saying. I'm I'm glad. But yeah, I remember I remember being able to uh, to do that for you, and I, I and I actually my my bachelor's degree is in mass media, so that was kind of my early prelude there. So it, th- those are good times. It's all because of you, Bobby. All because well, of you. I'm glad you. I'm glad you wound up getting a real job. I really. <laughs> my yeah. father used to ask me, "When are you going to get a real job?" <laughs> I never did. Well, you got to have fun in there somewhere, though. You do. Now, yeah. so. And and then going into that, you know, doing play by play, what makes what makes a good play by play announcer to you? I'm not a one of those that likes all the screaming and all that that goes on, and that's the color analyst, and that's another position. But from a play by play standpoint, down in distance, time in the game, and the score. 
if someone's listening on the radio, they may not be listening a minute ago or two minutes ago. And, right. and if you can get nothing else right, and this is just me doing broadcasting play-by-play 101, you got to know what the score is and where it is in the game. That's what people tune in for. Right. And the listening habits are not very good. They're doing other things. But you got to let them know who's ahead and, and where we are in the game. And, and then you take it from there and you paint the picture. The the uh, I think it was one of the questions we were talking about earlier. One of my early, I guess, teachers in this business, hmm. still to this day, does not know he was one of my teachers. No way. And that was Joe Joe Tate, who did the Cleveland Cavaliers play-by-play on 3WE in Cleveland. Oh, wow. Yeah, Cleveland, Tennessee. And 3WE was a clear channel station, and so you could hear them at night. And so at night, I'm supposed to be asleep, and I'm in there on my little transistor radio <laughs> with the square battery listening to 3WE in Cleveland and listening to the Cavaliers. That is why, to this day, that I'm a Cleveland Cavalier fan, because wow. I listened to Joe Tate do that play-by-play years ago, and again, he doesn't know it to this day, but he's really the one that influenced me on play-by-play and how to do it correctly, and so that's where I kind of cut my teeth doing play-by-play. We won't ask you how you feel about LeBron James right now, then. Uh, poor LeBron. That's <laughs> hard. Oh I don't know what to think. I really don't. It's tough. It's a tough go right now as a Cavs fan. Yeah. So, so speaking of pro teams, you're a very outspoken um, fan of the New England Patriots, the six-time Super Bowl champs. Yes, so far. <laughs> I like so far. What, so what did you think of that Super Bowl on Sunday? See, people told me how to, what a bad game that was. I, didn't, I thought it was a good game from a defensive standpoint. I mean, certainly you're looking for a lot of points, and everyone was thinking 30-something to 30-something or 30-something to 20-something. Right. I started watching him from a defensive standpoint and found out what a what a uh, defensive genius Belichick is. And no, now we yeah. find out today he's going to hire Greg Schiano as his defensive coordinator. They're, they're really testing my faith. I know. That's <laughs> crazy. So, uh, that's, yeah, I thought it was a great game. Even when it was 3 nothing or 3-3, I thought it had been a really good football game. And kind of – I almost gave up on them uh, <laughs> midseason. I mean, look, they lost five games this year and none of the teams that beat them made the playoffs right. it wasn't a typical year and then could you have given the mvp to an entire defensive squad i would have given it to to the to the patriots defense i mean obviously edelman did what he needed to do brady had an okay game but it wasn't a great game it, it, brady's still better than peyton was when he won the super bowl with denver and they had the great defense right but he didn't have a great game but it, it showed you know we say it a lot uh, defense wins championships and i think that was proven out on sunday is uh is tommy done is Tommy going to hang it no. up? No, Tommy's not done. Tommy will be done when, you know, keep in mind, he was the number of what? 199 pick. He yeah. Was, there were six quarterbacks chosen before him. Would it not be bidding that if he could win a seventh Super Bowl, oh, he would have been be the awesome. seventh quarterback taken and he gets seven Super Bowls? That'd be awesome. How yeah. many How many of those quarterbacks are still in the league now? That's, that would be zero. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Still rolling. One who's now on the staff at the University of Tennessee, but no, that would be zero. And they yeah. – Matter of fact, none of them lasted a whole long time. And, and that's crazy. Crazy. And, and I'll ask you this question, too, just kind of spur of the moment. Uh, one of the questions that Kyle and I were talking about earlier in this episode was, uh, is it Belichick or Brady, maybe a combination of both, as for the Patriots' nine Super Bowl trips that they've had? I think it's Belichick. I mean, I, I think 
I don't know that Brady Brady wouldn't have been to as many Super Bowls without Belichick. I think Belichick would have gotten to some championship games. I, he wouldn't have won six. I think Brady's that important. I mean, it's like Schofield and Williams. You know, it's kind of peanut butter and jelly with yeah. those two. I think they complement each other. That's why some wonder. I mean, you were asking a moment ago, is he through? And some were asking earlier, is Belichick through? I, I don't think either one of these guys are ready to hang it up just yet. But I think they mean a lot to each other. I don't think either one of them would have won as many championships without the other. How's that? Uh, that yeah, we'd have to agree with that. So, you know, going uh, back over to the play-by-play, is there anything? Is there any part of that, it, whether you're doing the play-by-play or if it's something that you're listening to, it, what parts of that do you enjoy the most? Uh, goodness gracious. I like following a team because you get to know habits and things like that when you're following one team. And then when you get ready for the – well, preparation's key. Mm-hmm. You guys know this. I mean, it's just like teaching. Anything you do, preparation's key. And I, John Ward once told me you're going to leave more on the table that you don't use on a given night than you use on a broadcast. But at least if you left it lying on the table, you've looked at it, you know you know what you've got in front of you, and you've got the information there. And yeah, you're going right. to probably not use as much of that as you prepared for, but it's at least there and it's in your mind. So preparation's key on play-by-play and – just staying focused on the game, which is not that easy to do at times when you're sitting, especially in a basketball crowd, and everyone's up on top of you. No, yeah. Here's, here's, <laughs> here's the story. <laughs> I, uh, when I do the basketball games, I would always take a little index card, <laughs> and I would for the other team that I didn't know as well, and I would just list the five starters numerically with their name beside it, and I would put it right on the front of the broadcast equipment where I could look over that card and see their offensive end. So that way I'm getting a little familiarity with who they are. Mm-hmm. If I lose the name in my mind, I, I can look at my card real quickly and not miss a beat. So I'm, I'm getting ready for a game one night and I, it's happened more than once, but I'm getting ready for a game and you know, I was probably at Hal Henner. You know how close that back row of stands are to oh, the yeah. broadcast now on the court. And I'm getting ready to do the game and so I text me on the shoulder. I said, "Oh, hey, I guess, sir, uh, you you know that ain't how you spell my last name, right?" And it was looking <laughs> at my card. Well, I did it phonetically, right? I did. Uh, okay, hooked on phonics. This was hooked on Bobby phonics, <laughs> phonetically. And so, uh, well, no, I, I know that's not how you spell it, but the the last name is this, right? And he's like, "Oh, yeah, that's right." I said, "Okay, that, that's for me. Don't worry about it. I'm getting it correct on the radio." And here was another problem. When you did uh, Green County, Cock County, and Jefferson County, in one county you had Magaha, uh-huh. and another county you had Magaha, and another county you had Magahi. They were all spelled the <laughs> wow. same. And I've, I've always been, and even on the show, and I probably overemphasize it, I'm real big on names. Because moms and dads, if they're out there listening, and I don't care what level you're talking about, they want to make, they want to hear little Johnny's name or little oh, yeah. Susie's name and they don't want it messed up on the radio. Oh, yeah. um, and the most trouble that I heard someone get in one time was calling Debbie Hawhey, not Hawhey, calling her something else oh. on the radio. Uh, and, uh, Dad wasn't very happy. That wasn't me, by the way. Dad wasn't very happy and he let that play-by-play announcer know that. And oh, my goodness. That didn't happen again. But that's that's one of the most important parts is to get it right. Be fair on the broadcast. I, I Try not to be a homer. I, I won't be a homer. I'll tell you what's happening, good or bad, and 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 that's 
I think fans became to accept that. I will tell you, the hardest games I had to do, and this was years removed from being at Chucky Dope, mm. was the Chucky Dope games. Because even being out of Chucky Dope 10, maybe even 20 years, I just remember sitting down and thinking, okay, you got to nail this. <laughs> because remember, you got most likely to succeed. Don't screw this up. <laughs> Don't screw this up because those Chucky Dope people are listening. People listening. And it was always, it was always, and for some reason, I don't know why, but I always wanted to make sure that I gave that extra little effort when I was doing a, Chuck, uh, a game for the Chucky Doke. And that's why that's why you're the people's champ, Bobby. Is <laughs> that the what people, I am? Okay. You're the people's Thank champ. You. I've been called worse, believe me. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, moving into other announcers, do you find yourself, like when you watch shows or when you watch games, do you find yourself critiquing uh, other play-by-play announcers? No more than I do myself. Hmm. And you can ask Pam. There's tapes all around this house. I mean, cassette tapes. Does anyone oh, yeah. have a cassette tape player anymore? I can't hear them. I don't have a cassette tape player. But what? there are tapes and CDs all over this house from years ago that she would like to throw out. But I think she, I think she gets them to the road, and their conscience gets a hold of her, and she brings them back in. There you now, go. Someday when I'm dead and gone, they're out of here. Okay? Yeah, they're gone. But right, right now they're good. But uh, I, I always uh, would listen to my game, and it wasn't an ego thing. Good grief, I'm too old for that. But I would always listen to i would tape the games at the site and more times than not would be driving home listening to the game not to get a not to get hey listen to this i was critiquing my games but yeah i I critique other announcers and i keep a lot of it to myself but like i said i'm i'm not into the the uh screaming that goes on and and the problem with that is is right now especially even more so this day and time many of your not necessarily the play-to-play people but the color analysts yeah. Our former players. Yeah. Okay. They know the game, no doubt. But they don't know the broadcasting end of it. Right. And when you when you can get someone who really can do both, you've locked into someone. I spent when Tony Romo first started, mm-hmm. I, I really had a concern because Tony Tony was telling us, Here's what they're running right oh now my goodness, before yeah. the play ran. Yeah. And I thought, dude, you've got to reel this in just a little bit and I think somewhere along the way real quickly. Some of the teams were saying, uh, you know, he's giving away our trade secrets here. Yeah. And so Tony has gotten better just analyzing the game. Three weeks ago when New England and Kansas City were playing in the championship game, he, he on that overtime period, he told us every play, every play. that New England was going to run. Yeah. And I thought, well, that's cool, you know, because yeah. right now we're in this big game and he's calling that. And I, I really thought maybe the Rams might hire him to help <laughs> be a coach for them getting ready for the Patriots in that Super Bowl game. Yeah. But, again, it goes back to just not being a homer, and you don't have to scream to get your point across, and that's what I like. But, yeah, I critique other announcers, but, again, they critique me as well, and that's fine, but I know I don't critique anyone more than I critique myself. Play the play or whatever I'm doing. Yeah, so the uh, the Vol Network, Burt Bertelkamp, I think he's pretty good to listen to, um, former player, and he's kind of – I think he's figured out his – niche within the uh, Vol Network. What do you what do you like? Uh, what do you think about being part of the Vol Network? Oh, it's outstanding. Mike Keith called me. We were doing, uh, you guys remember this, back when WIKQ had the 100,000 watt uh, radio station. Mm-hmm. And I did the high school scoreboard on Friday nights. Yeah. And it could be heard all over the area with 100,000 watts. And I had Mike Keith, who was uh, at the University of Tennessee as a student then and was doing some intern work with the Vol Network. He would do a little Friday night report on the Tennessee game coming up. Hmm. Someone uh, within the network decided they couldn't do the high school report anymore. Mike asked me one day, and that's been 
goodness gracious, that was 1987. He said, hey, could you do our high school report on the Mall Network? Wow. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, a little 90-second report. And, of course, I put an hour and a half work into a, something that takes 90 seconds on the air to do. Yeah, right. Just kind of breaking it down and looking at the big games of the week. That was in 87. And I, I did that, well, actually, to be honest with you, free for a few years. And then finally they decided, you know, we might want to have to pay you to do this. <laughs> And then uh, over the course of time, I've moved into a situation, uh, fortunately, where I've been able to work uh, in studio for the last, goodness, several years uh, on game day Saturdays and also with the basketball uh, studio host as well and do the Lady Vols studio host for Mickey Deerstone. Keep in mind the Deerstone I mentioned earlier, Kenny, who gave me my first job. Now I'm working with Mickey, who I did work with in Greenville for a short while while he wow. was here. Now he and I are working together on the on the Lady Vol Network. So cool. full circle on that man. Yeah, no doubt. But that's how that's how the Vol Network got started. It's fun. It's like look, we're fans. There are any there's five, six people in the studio on any given game day Saturday. But you can tell how the team is playing by the mood around the studio. Yeah, <laughs> we're we're like fans too. We know when the red light comes on, it's time to it's time to reel it in, and and you know usually more times than not lately, it's been bad news. But we yeah. learn how to just uh, put it put it out there and be a fan, but keep the story going and and try to be as positive as you can in some tough situations. That's that's pretty solid. Do you ever get to work one on one with say like a Bob Kessling, those guys over at the Vol Network? Do you ever get to kind of bounce some ideas off with them, kind of be with them? Oh, goodness, yeah. Bob called one day, this has been years ago, and he said, can you do Can you do play-by-play for a swim meet? No way. I said, what? He said, for, a, for, for a swim meet, he said, uh, Tennessee and Florida are going to have a swim meet over here at uh, the aquatic center at UT, and I don't want to do it. Can you do it? I, huh. said, I, I, I said, I, I, Bob, I've never done one before. He said, well, we'll be live. It'll be It'll be uh, tape delayed, so they'll be editing it together and all this. And I said, "Well, I can try." I said, "What's it involved?" He said, "Well, you'll have a you'll have a color analyst on the on the swim portion, and then you'll have someone who's a former vol diver who will help you on the diving portion." No of the, And basically, all you got to do is kind of run in between and, and let them run with the commentary after that. I said, well, "I guess I can do that." I said, "You got to understand." When I was at the Chucky Doak, the one who jumped in the water and made the biggest splash was the winner. You know, it's different, it's different in, in college sports. You don't want to make that biggest splash. Wow. That was kind of interesting. So we're sitting up on, listen to this, we're sitting up on the diving board, uh, the base of the diving board, to look down over the aquatic center. And this is a guy who doesn't swim, so that was real comfortable. Oh, yeah. To a real comfortable portion. No, Bob Bob and I are friends. He, he uh, he's, he's the one that's really... Uh, since he has taken over the play-by-play job, uh, I've had a lot of opportunities to do some some uh, extra things with the network. John Ward sent me a letter one year, and uh, as I found out when he passed away, he did this for a lot of folks, and it was just a simple letter. Hey, appreciate the work you do with the Vol Network. I heard your broadcast of the Carson Newman games. Outstanding job, blah, blah, blah. Here's something your color analyst could try to do better, but just wanted to let you know it, huh. Appreciate your work. Wow, you know what's that mean for someone getting a letter from John Ward? No doubt. And he was he was still doing play to play at the time. That letter uh, it disappeared for a couple of weeks. I didn't know where it went to. And then 
that was a couple of weeks before Christmas, and then lo and behold, I come back on Christmas morning, and Pam had had it framed for me. Oh, so wow. it is it is hanging in my office to this day, and we'll awesome. continue to do. And that was that was kind of cool. I yeah. know that was real cool to be honest with you. Yeah, I always liked. Uh, I'd go down there on game day Saturdays, and and they'd have the call in show and things like that on the hill, and and I got right. to meet John Ward a couple times there, and just a just a great guy. Yeah, and you know, there's been obviously uh, Tennessee obviously has lost John and lost Pat Summit and what she meant to the game and a lot of the problems that Holly Warlick is having right now are because of the successes that Pat Summit had and and we'll see how that works out but uh, yeah you talk about the legends of Tennessee sports those are two of them no doubt now you're at AM 640 WXSM the extreme sports monster talk about your show and and what makes that the best sports talk show in the Tri-Cities you mean other than this podcast? Yeah, uh, oh, we're we're coming. Oh, we're we'll yeah. take a close <laughs> second, but we'll we'll let you have the top spot. Gosh, how long have I been? Oh, uh, this will be. Um, gosh, I've been there ten and a half years now. I was doing news in the mornings and then doing ball games at night in Greenville, and Johnson City had started a sports talk format about a year and a half earlier, and got to a situation. I, I of course had applied for it then didn't hear back from them but then got about a year into it and they called one day and said we're going to make a change we'd like to talk to you about it and so we talked a couple of times and i got a couple of free meals out of the deal no. and uh then we we decided to yeah this this could probably work i had never done sports talk format before i mean i'd done news i had done play by play but i'd never done the sports talk format before so basically i didn't know what I was doing other than what I'd heard done on the radio, but it became very apparent to me that to do that type of a show, you've got to be in tune with what the area wants to hear. And and uh, I think also uh, being that you're a local sports talk show and the ratings will show you that because it's, the ratings are a lot better when there's a local show on because people have a connection right. with someone they feel like they know. And so uh, it's just developed over the years. We've tried to get a good blend of, of national and state and uh, well a good blend first of local then state then national but keeping up with all the top stories so it takes a little bit of a, a decision made at night or the next morning quickly about what's the biggest story of the day and try to cover it all which sometimes is is tough to do and do it all justice so uh, obviously we we invite callers and and they they give us their thoughts sometimes good <laughs> sometimes not but Hey, that that's what makes it roll, and and they seem to appreciate it. So, we've we've got a long way to go. We've come a long way. We've got a long way to go. It's 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 fun though. You know, when you don't like your job, then maybe it's time to do something else. But I haven't had that problem yet, oh, yeah. unfortunately. Awesome. Having having fun is is always part of it. Do you find yourself, you know, now that you've been doing it a little bit longer, do you find yourself in the in the sports talk show realm? Do you do you find yourself enjoying that maybe a little bit more? Maybe about the same as the play by play and things like that. Yeah, I, it wouldn't bother me if I never did another play-by-play game. I feel like I quit doing play-by-play on a regular basis, and I was doing it the best I had done it. Uh, and I've been asked to go out a couple of times. It's tough just to do one game every here, every now and then. Right. But I was, I was felt like I was doing a pretty good job. We, we, I, whatever you want to call it, had won a couple of play-by-play awards in the state for oh, wow. the work, the work that I'd done. And again, I don't, I'm, I'm just giving you guys this information. It, I don't like talking about myself, but uh, I, I do like the sports talk end of it. If I had my druthers, I'd, I'd rather do the sports talk show, but it wouldn't bother me to go out and 
see a good Chucky Doak South Green matchup again Ooh. sometime either. Yeah, Kyle's a South Green Ooh. guy, so we we, ha- we have to give him a pass Ooh, for right yeah. now. <laughs> but we won't hold that against him. Yeah, whatever. Anyway, uh, we beat Chucky Doak, and I was whatever. Anyway, yeah, so that's, whatever. It's <laughs> whatever. So that's we're wrapping up. Um, do you have any advice for any young and up and coming uh, guys that want to get in the business, either play by play or uh, kind of what you're doing now? Uh, do you have any advice for for the young up and coming guys? Yeah, your degree. I mean, honestly, I kidded about it earlier, but get a degree. And if you want to get it in mass communications or communications broadcasting, that's fine. That's all good, fine and good. But just getting that degree, and it feels like I'm doing a public service announcement. <laughs> the more but, you know. Yeah, do that because obviously it's going to give you a good base. And you've got to have a good knowledge of the sport. You don't have to have a great knowledge of it. That's going to come over the course of time. But just try to keep in mind. And this was another thing that came from Joe Tate. So you've got me off on another story. Now. <laughs> That's it perfect. The, uh, you know, the Cleveland Cavaliers started uh, their basketball. Well, they started playing basketball. And the owner of the Cavaliers was going through some tapes of people he was thinking about for the Play by Play Boys. He really liked Joe Tate because he thought Joe Tate really painted a picture. Because... You know, we see everything's on TV now, all the yeah. games are. Oh, yeah. But I will listen to a game on radio just to hear that call because what you're doing that you don't have to do on television is to paint that picture. Give us a good picture of what's going on. Right, right, well, right. Joe Tate got hired for that job as the Cavaliers play, play announcer because the owner of the Cavaliers liked how Joe Tate drew the picture better than anyone. Right. Oh, did I mention the owner was blind? No. Way. Wow. Yeah. How about that? Wow. No pressure. No pressure. <laughs> he he liked the way that Joe painted the picture, and that got him the job. That's pretty cool. Well, that definitely yeah. makes sense. Well, Bobby, we appreciate you being on the show here with us and yeah, thank and, you. and taking time to be on an up-and-comer ourselves, the coach's office here, and uh, we really appreciate you. Well, look, it's it's more fun being in the coach's office than it is the principal's office. I spent a lot of time there, Chuckie Doak, <laughs> so thanks. I like how that wraps around back to being an <laughs> yes. alumnus of the – Chucky Doe Black Knights. Go Black Knights. Yes, sir. Thank you, Bobby. Thanks. And that's just about to wrap up this episode of the Coach's Office. We'd like to thank Bobby Rader uh, for coming in and talking sports with us. Uh, you can check him out over on WXSM AM 640, the extreme sports monster. We've got a great episode coming your way next week. We'll have Cody Early back in the Coach's Office as he previews the big one. The Daytona 500 is going to be coming that and much, much more. You can check us out on iTunes, Google Play, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, our Twitter handle at Coaching underscore Office. Check out the guys, Matt and myself, at the Matt Ripley and at Coach K Donahue. For Matt Ripley and myself, Kyle Donahue, we thank you for listening. And as always, if you're the last one out, please turn off the light and lock up the gate. This has been a presentation of the Coach's Office, produced by Quotable Productions.